Hey everybody, welcome to Daddy Duty 365, the show where celebrity dads reveal the good, the bad, and the funny of fatherhood. And today I'm joined by a journalist extraordinaire, Fred from Media Takeout. Now you notice I didn't say Fred's name, full name, because Fred, I'm just gonna let you say your last name. How do you say it? It's Mwanga Gahunga. Mwanga Gahunga. See, I think I was gonna say that, Mwanga Gahunga. Yeah, yeah. Did I get your last name right? You, you pretty much did. I mean, there's always a, you know, it, with my last name, there's just degrees of wrong, and you, you're, you're, you're pretty close to the, close to the right side of it. Hey, as long as I'm not as wrong as just a totally different name, then that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> that's good. That's good. You got the first letter right, so you know you're halfway there. I was like, how hard is it teaching your kids that last name? Like, this is how you spell it. This is how you say it. It was like, ah. Oh, I mean, especially for kids. Kids, this is all new to them, right? Like the idea of a last name. They didn't know that having a long last name with you know 13 letters is a, an odd thing right so to them they're just like okay why doesn't everybody have 13 letters in the last name that's a good point that's a good point okay well, until go they go to school us... and then obviously then it uh it comes up right <laughs> oh it definitely does so go ahead and give us the kid roll call how many kids you got what are the ages and their names okay my, i have three children they're triplets all age nine uh eva who's my uh, only daughter and identical twin boys, um, David and Samuel. Wow, I could not imagine. Yes, I have three kids, but mine were staggered. Three kids, what was the reaction when you first heard the words triplets when the doctor said, oh, by the way, you're having triplets? You know, this. these are my first and only children and same thing with my wife. So we always wanted three kids. So when when you told when we were told that we had three kids, we were kind of like, okay, they're all kind of coming at the same time, but we really wanted three kids anyway. We're starting to think practically, like economies of scale, this could really work out for us, and we were actually happy and excited to, about the idea of having triplets. Okay, so then when the reality happened and they all came home with you for the first time, tell me that about was, that. That was it was it was such an amazing. It was so like different, right? Because um and you know in a lot of great ways right like you have these three beautiful individuals that you brought into this world you know that are completely relying on you that show you nothing but love you know it, it's in in a lot of ways it's beautiful right we all get that but then there's a lot of ways that it's just incredibly challenging especially with three i mean the one thing that we didn't even realize is you have the whole you know every, the newborns have to be fed every two hours or so right so because you have three, what would end up happening is you feed one and then you fed the other, you fed one and then you barbed them and did all that. And that usually took, you know, some, some time. And then you did it to the second one and then to the third. And by the time it was the third, you were really basically back up to feed the first. And so it was like just literally continuous feeding over and over 24 hours a day over the course of like the first couple of months. So that just like trying to figure out how to, manage that with my wife and you know lucky for me you know my wife's mom she she came in and helped out so did my mom so there's a lot of people around that were really just kind of tripping in and making it but it was way more than i expected and you know if i if i would have known at the time you know i, I would have been a lot more um, 
scared about the, the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, you make a good point too that it's good to have help staggered. Like, okay, when my wife had her uh, first, you know, her mom came for two weeks, and then my mom came for two weeks, and then like after the help ended, then it was like I went home and stayed for two weeks, and then we started the cycle back over. So it was like a rotation of help until you know you really get on your feet and get the hang of everything. But still, with three, I just can't imagine that rotation because it's like okay, you're always feeding. You're always changing diapers. How was the sleep part of it all? I mean, it was just, it. I got to tell you, like that first year is kind of a blur, right? Because we just kind of got sleep wherever and whenever we could. There was no like, like set schedule. It wasn't like I went to, I, I go to bed at, you know, 10 or 11 or midnight. It was literally, if I could catch, you know, three hours in the middle of the day, that's when I would do it. And my wife would kind of do the same thing. And it was, you just, we, we just kind of were like, and you know, we, we met a couple of other parents of, um, of multiples, uh, triplets, and they all told us, look, you just really have to just survive this, right? Like, you're not, it's not going to come out, you know, you just have to just make it to year one with your sanity, you know, with your marriage continue, still intact, and, you know, with all the children healthy, and you win, you won. If you can do that, you won. So, the, the, you know, everything else is just kind of gravy. And that's the way we looked at it. We were just kind of like trying to get through it because it really was incredibly challenging to kind of put this whole thing together. And, you know, just one kid can sometimes put a strain on a marriage because, you know, you're so exhausted, you're not sleeping. So did you guys go through anything with your marriage and how were you able to, you know, hold it together with some sort of sanity? <laughs> I, I kind of say for us, it was there. I can't remember. I mean, my wife, maybe she'll tell, she'll tell a completely different story. Um, but for me, I just don't remember too much of it. I mean, I think we were just so involved in like actively doing things with the kids. You know, it was it was almost like you're too busy to fight, right? Like too busy to argue. We were just kind of constantly just kind of coming together and, and doing what needed to be done for, for for the kids. And then also at the other time, remember there was also so many people around too. I remember that first year just literally thinking that I haven't, like, there probably wasn't a time that I was just alone with my wife and the kids in the home, right? There was always somebody else there that was helping out. And so it was just, you know, it was literally chaos going on. Um, but then, you know, of course it's, you know, at, at that point, and then, and then your, first your first child, you know what I mean? And your first children, you're like, you know, is, is everything okay? Are they, you know, um, are they healthy? Is everything um, going well with them? So, you have that, like that, that kind of anxiety that, you know, something might be going wrong. Oh my God, are they breathing at night? You know, those, that, those kind of things that, that kind of go through you. So just trying to kind of, you know, make sure that your kids are, you know, healthy and, and taken care of. I think that just took up so much of our energy um, that like it didn't, I don't, I can't recall too much conflict, you know, because of that. Yeah. Now, what are the ages again? Uh, they're all nine now. So nine, we're, okay. We're, we're so, over the hump. Right, right. Whew, yeah. So do you think it gets easier as they grow older and now they're nine years old? Does oh, my it get God. a little Heather. easier? <laughs> way easier. Way, way, way. I mean, you know, it was every year it got a little bit easier, right? Like, obviously, and, I'm, you know, this is obviously it's true for all, but for, for parents of multiples, I think it's a little bit different in that, you know, you go through and finally you start to feel like you get the, you got the hang of this infant thing, right? Like, okay, you know, they're, you can basically put them in the bassinet next to your computer and you can do your work, right? You just gotta, 
change them every now and then and feed them, you know, according to schedule. And you can basically do that, right? And maybe, you know, play with them every, you know, couple of minutes. But then they get to kind of the toddler stage and now they're kind of moving around and then there's a whole new set of challenges that kind of comes up, comes ahead of them. And then there's a tantrum phase. And so you're hit with all these different phases, like different levels of difficulty, you know, for the first probably three or four years of parenting. And then when you get to that four or five-ish range, and all of a sudden it starts getting easier. Just when you think, oh my God, this thing can't get any more difficult. It starts getting easier. You start being able to have a lot more like interaction conversations with your kids. You, their personality starts to come back, come out a lot more. You know, you start to appreciate them as a human being, you know, not just, you know, your offspring. And so that just, then, then that, that just becomes, uh, makes, you know, fatherhood, at least for me, a hell of a lot more fun. Um, and I'm enjoying it way, 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 way more now, especially at nine, right? Like now, you know, a lot of the worries that you have, you know, are they going to like fall down and hit their head? I mean, they could still do that, but they're a lot less likely to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I have to, my, my, my two boys, I, I still got to worry about them. My, my daughter, I think uh, we're okay with that. Now, um, is that because they're always fighting or like how bad oh, yeah, is the bickering? It's, it's not really bickering. It's just they, you know, they started watching all these like anime, like Dragon Ball Z and all this other stuff. And so it's just a lot of like fighting. And so their playing is largely just fighting. And it's not just them. It's like all their little friends. You get the, you know, 10 little boys together and they're all, it's like a battle royal. It's like watching the WWE. And you're just like, something, somebody could get hurt doing this, right? But you just kind of let it go and, and, uh, and that's that. Man, I can't imagine all of them going at it together. But it does, you're talking about uh, personalities. Talk to us about the personalities they have and, you know, if they're different, the same, because I don't know what triplets. It's interesting because my wife says that my children currently have the same personalities they had when they were in the womb, whether they were more active, lazy, crazy, dancing around all the time, you know, stuff like that. So what were their personalities like currently? Yeah, I'd say um, they all they all kind of showed a portion of their personality now, you know, even when they were like infant infants, right? Like before you could even see it, even like the way that they'd cry or some of the looks that they're giving you, they still give it to you now, right? Um, and you could see that, that it's not just the look, it's that look that they're giving you is some, coming from somewhere deep in, in their personality. My daughter, I think, is most like my wife. I think my... My wife is an incredibly strong-willed woman. My mother is an incredibly strong-willed woman. My sister is an incredibly strong-willed woman. And my daughter is an incredibly strong-willed woman, too. So you're and surrounded. So <laughs> I got them all over the place. They're everywhere, right? So, I, and, I, and a lot of times, too, I see kind of the, 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 the two of them kind of coming to a head sometimes. You know, still, she's still nine, so it's not really, you know, not like the teenagery stuff. But there's still like a lot of conflict there. And I'm just wondering, like, this is going to end up, you know, as the teenage years start coming, I could expect fireworks coming out there. Now, the good thing is, like, I, because I'm around so many strong-willed, strong-minded, opinionated women in my life, I have, I know how to deal with them, right? Like, and obviously, not only do I know how to deal with them, I enjoy being around them, right? I chose one to be my wife. So it's, I'm like the perfect mediator to any kind of uh, dilemma in my household. That's a great way um, to look at it. The mediator in the house. Right. <laughs> they need me. 
<laughs> That's good to be needed, Fred. Good to be needed. So I want to back up a little bit and take us back to when Fred was growing up. What was life like for you and who was the father figure? Okay, so I have, um, I was raised by my mother and father. They're both uh, immigrants from Uganda. They came to the United States before I was born. Um, and I was raised in Queens, kind of in a immigrant family. Wow. So being that your father was with you throughout your childhood, what was it like growing up with a Ugandan father Because in America? Because, you know, you want certain things and all your American friends are doing it, but then your parents who immigrated here, they're like, no, we're not doing that. We're not used to that. We're not. <laughs> so what was that dynamic like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's different because they grew up, you know, my parents grew up, not only are they from Uganda, they're from like, like even the, the, the part of Uganda they're from is like the backwoods. So they're like backwoods Uganda. They grew up in an incredibly small town, probably only, I don't know, maybe like a thousand people in the in the village that they grew up in. And it's probably never more, you know, it's, it was, it's probably like one of those completely unsettled areas that like colonialism hardly ever even touched. Like probably a white person never even walked in that village. Um, so yeah, so they're from an incredibly small village. And so it's kind of a lot of what they, they're coming from is kind of not just African and kind of like, you know, values. It's small, like small village African values. And so obviously when you come to the United States and you're living in a big city like New York, there is an incredible kind of culture difference. Um, I'm growing up in the city. It's, you know, American culture is intoxicating, right? Like it's so much more interesting to a child than some of the old stuff that your father's saying that you don't even know anything about because you're still li you're living in the city. So I know when I was growing up, <clears throat> I always saw myself as an American child, right? Like it's 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 weird to to say that, right? Because I say that now, and you know, especially with the the, the crazy African last name, they're like, oh no, this is kind of an African uh, uh, guy, Fred. But I mean, I grew up in Queens. I mean, most of my friends were black. If they were immigrants, they were kind of like me that they really just considered themselves Americans. We listen to American music. We, we only or mostly spoke um, English. Um, and, um, but you had these kind of old fashioned African parents <clears throat> that were trying to offer whatever, you know, um, culture that they could to, to, to pass on to you. And some of it you got right in the food. Um, some people get it in the languages. Um, but it's uh it's it's it was it was it was definitely different i'd say different but did you uh experience any clashes with your parents and what was your father like did you, did you let you play sports or any of that stuff? oh okay yeah no my dad was he can he's from the school of thought that anything that you do outside of education is really a waste of time so if you were to say to him, like, I, I want to play soccer, he'd be like, why would you, or I want to play football. He'd be like, why would you want to play football? You're just going to, you're wasting time that you could be using studying and then going on to university and then getting a great job and whatever. So that's just the way that my father thinks. And even right now, that's just the way that he thinks. It's all about education and it's all about success. Um, but you have to think of like where it is coming from, right? That's how he got out. Like, how did he get from that small town out, right? And he did, he got out through education, right? The majority of people around him that were in that small village are still in that small village. And the only reason why he's not in that small village and how he got out and we got the opportunity that we got out is through education. So for his life, it really was, this is the only way, right? Like there's not, you're not ever gonna get out of here 
other than through education. So that's what he had to do in his life. And so that's coming from that, that background, that's kind of what he was hoping to pass on to me. Obviously, it's a little bit different here, right? Like, especially in the United States, right? Like, sometimes I wish I would have, you know, focused a little bit more on sports, right? You look at some of these contracts that, uh, that these athletes are getting. Um, so there, there, there are a lot more opportunities here. Um, and things just are different here. Um, but my mom was, I think, she, was, she wasn't as hardline as he was. She was, you know, she definitely had that idea, you know, you really have to make sure that um, education was, was top priority, but she also appreciated the fact that you wanted to have, you know, build friendships. Right. You wanted to, you know, so be well-rounded. Were your parents, the, uh, like other African parents, who said you're gonna be a, a doctor or a lawyer when you grow up? That's it, like, yeah, no. options. Yeah, they didn't, I mean, the, the, my, my father and mom didn't, they didn't necessarily say doctor or lawyer, but they said you had to get straight A's and you had to get to the university. And then when you get to university, then you can, you can choose what you want to be. So they were just, they, they were just trying to get to me to that next level. And they were like, you know, then, then I can choose. Although they would have been extremely happy if I was a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, you still turned out very successful because Media Takeout is like amazing. It's one of those sites, if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's one of those sites you have to wake up and go to. And then you got to check it at lunchtime. And then you got to check it before you go to bed to see what's changed and what's going on. Tell people a little bit more about Media Takeout and the whole concept behind it. Well, it's a celebrity news site that focuses primarily on African American celebrities. I guess the best way to describe it is kind of the black TMZ. Right. We, we're breaking news stories, um, but our, our, the, the focus of our news stories are a lot more urban. Um, we started the company 16 years ago, and we've grown it from kind of, you know, nothing to, you know, last month we had a little bit more than 30 million people on the website. So it's going really well. Um, it's grown all the way through. It's, you know, it's continued throughout my fatherhood, right? Like, so... I, uh, it didn't fall apart when I had kids, uh, um, and uh, we're really proud of where, the way it is right now. So when you guys were first launching this, did you have any idea it would be so huge and just like take off? Well, I knew that there was a real market opportunity there because um, at the time that we launched it, the blogs were just kind of getting hot. And there were a couple of blogs out there that were really um, getting a lot of attention but there was never a blog that was focusing primarily on African-American celebrity content. So I, I figured, hey, if there are all these other celebrity blogs out there that are doing really well that aren't focusing on African-American content, if we were to launch one um, that was run properly and was focusing on African-American celebrity content, we could have similar success to the other ones. Uh, that was a gamble that I took 16 years ago. The gamble paid off. I was right. Yeah, and you do have a, a similar background to TMZ because you are also an official lawyer. You got, I am, got I am. like mom and dad wanted you to, right? <laughs> they, they made me do it, man. They made me do it. Yeah, so do you think that that has helped you when uh, putting out celebrity news? Because sometimes they could get upset that you put it out, try to sue you or different things like that. So it's like, you know, I got a law degree. Calm down. I'm allowed to do it. Yeah, I mean, if it ever gets too hot, I'll, I'll actually hire the real lawyers, right? I might have a law degree, <laughs> but I don't don't necessarily consider myself to be a lawyer. Um, but I, I will say, you know, sometimes, a lot of times people ask me, they're like, you know, was it worth it to get your law degree? Because not only did I get my law degree, I also worked on Wall Street for a little while as a, as a corporate lawyer. So it, it was an incredible chunk of time and incredible amount of money that was spent to actually get it. 
And the question that, you know, people ask is, was it worth it? You know, obviously you're getting some degree of value, right? Like, like you said, but was it worth the time and money and expense of putting it in? And I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, and maybe it's just kind of my dad in the back of my head that's just like, you know, go out there and kind of get this degree, get your education, and then kind of choose what you want to do after it. I think it's probably a good way to operate and live your life. That's yeah, the way wait, that what, did they, what did your dad say when you're like, yeah, I'm going to give up law and, and do a website? Oh, man. That oh, was a crazy. website? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was it, right? Like, in his mind, I had already won. And then you're like, Dude, you won, and now you're trying to you're choosing to lose. Well, like, what, what's what are you doing? So my dad hated the idea. My mom hated the idea, and not only they hate the idea, they they thought I was they didn't have no idea what I was doing. And so, like for the first couple of years, and and the site had really taken off, right? But the first couple of years, they really thought that everything was I, like my life was falling apart. My mom would come over and like she like uh um, make me dinner, and, and she think she think I'm starving. Right? She's making me dinner. And I'm like, uh, mom, I'm doing okay. Like life is going well. And she'd be like, yeah, I know, I know, Fred, but just take this just in case, right? Uh-huh. And um, it was only after like maybe like a couple of years into it. Then like, uh, you know, her friends started talking to her like, hey, does your son own that media take? I think this is, and so all, as her friends, as her, my dad, mom and dad's friends are talking to them about it. Then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, my, yeah, that's what my son did. Yeah, we, we, we told them that was the right way to go. <laughs> He did it right. Just he, you know, he followed directions like a good African son. <laughs> right, right. Now they're taking all the credit for it. I just, right, right, well, right. It's great. But talk to us about what it's like working at home, still working on the website, but now during quarantine when the triplets are home with you at the same time. What is that like? Uh, you know, in the beginning, it was, it was, it was tough because we just had to kind of figure out logistically how we were going to do things. I mean, all three of my kids are going to. Um, going to school on Zoom and Google Hangouts. So you had to like have enough computers and enough computer time for all the kids, which we didn't, right? Like we're, all the kids have phones, but we, we hadn't bought the kids laptops yet. They're only nine, right? So and certainly didn't have three laptops for nine year olds, right? So we had to figure that out, right? So we had to like get the computer situation where, you know, one would use my computer, one would use my wife's computer. And then we have like a, a third computer and we, we figure that out kind of put together that schedule. So that was kind of the first thing, just logistically how we were going to actually all work together. Um, but then it was like, I just, I work so much. And I'm not, I'm not proud to say this, but I work so much that I had, I didn't even particularly even realize how much time I had been spending apart from my family. So now that we're all together and we're all in the same home and we're all eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner together, and we're, you know, we're talking to each other and bumping each other in the, 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 as we pass each other in the house. It's just really, you know, it was, it's really eye-opening that I hadn't been doing that. And it's, you know, it's, in a lot of ways, this is, you know, when, when horrible things happen, obviously the pandemic is a terrible thing. I think it's important to kind of, to look out and see what good you can get out of it. And the one good thing that I'll definitely say is that for the past two months as we've been locked up in quarantine and it's been challenging and my wife can definitely tell you about that i've got to spend so much more time with my family than i ever would have you know the but for the quarantine but for like essentially armageddon happening on the earth there might not have been any other way to kind of get me to spend this much time with my family 
And after doing it for two months, I can tell you it is so rewarding to have done it. So then how will things change once we're out of quarantine? Will you still decide to work from home? Will you like pick a few days there? Like how will that change? And how will that change, you know, the time you choose to spend with your family more consciously? Um, well, I don't know. Working from home, maybe I'll do some of that. I don't know if that necessarily helps because they're going to be going to school, right? So, you know, um, but I am going to, you know, this is, it's, it's going to, the quarantine is going to change the way that I just view the importance of time, right? Because you have so much more of it right now. Um, and you get to really choose. You get to choose what, what you do, what's important. And maybe the first couple of weeks, you just spent it all on Netflix. <clears throat> but now you've seen everything on Netflix, right? And then you spent it all on Instagram. But you kind of seen what's going on on Instagram. So then you're just left with, okay, we're, we, I've done and seen all this other stuff. Let me just actually spend time with the people that, you know, that I love. And, you know, I've had long conversations. Me and my wife had, like, conversations, like, two or three hours. And we haven't, and, you know, we were talking to each other. This is how, when we first met, that's how we used to always do. We used to just, like, at the end of the night, we'd get on the phone and just, like, talk for, like, three hours. And then, obviously, you know, you get married, kids come, whatever else, and a lot of your relationship becomes kind of, surrounded and, inter and, and intertwined in kids and, and doing stuff and dealing with business and whatever else. But now that we have this time, every night, <clears throat> just like when we were dating, we sit down after dinner, the kids are upstairs and we talk. And sometimes we'll start talking at 10 and it'll be like two o'clock in the morning and we'll be done talking, right? And it's just talking about like, we'll talk about politics, we'll talk about like, you know, stuff that happened in the past. And it's just like, it's rekindling all these kind of like, because this is who we always were, right? Like. A lot of times people are like, people are, people think what happens when, you know, when, when people are, you know, put together in a room and, and, you know, they're in quarantine and they're up on top of each other, what's going to happen. And you just remember, well, you know, at some point you were kind of there with your wife anyway, right? Like you were, you know, maybe you were living together, maybe you were dating for a long time or whatever else. And you were just spending all your time with this woman anyway. Right. And you loved it. You voluntarily wanted to do that so now it's just it's it's we're, I, I see we're kind of like in the same boat right now where it's just, just kind of like once you can get over the idea that okay I can't go out okay I can't you know my life is going to be disrupted all right you know you one you're happy that you have um your family with you and that people are healthy hopefully um and then you just once you just do that you just kind of flip a switch in your mind and just try and make the best of the situation Wow, that's a good point. I think a lot of people will get back to realizing, you know, either, you know, the person that they married or the person they've become. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to decide to stay together through this quarantine and be stronger or get torn apart by it. But like, I don't like the person who I have to sit and talk with now. So I think that's a good, you know, lesson people to really start exploring the person that they married and spend some time together. Because you're right, it's like, in this quarantine, you can look at it as a, you know, cup half full or half empty. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been looking at it. I mean, from, from that standpoint, um, from a business standpoint, I mean, there's, you know, obviously the business, businesses are disrupted all over the, the, the world. I don't think anyone is doing better financially, um, unless you're Jeff Bezos, maybe, um, under the, this quarantine. But I think at the same time, there's also tremendous business opportunities that are out there right now, right? Like everybody people just have a lot more time, right? Like before, to, if you wanted to have a meeting with someone, you had to go to their office, you had to, you know, they had to set up a meeting, uh, a meeting schedule with you. Now it's just a Zoom meeting. One, it's less personal. You know, people are more likely to say yes to a Zoom meeting. 
Um, it doesn't take that much time. They're already sitting at their computer anyway to just click a button and boom, the meeting goes on. So you can get a lot more business meetings that you, you might not have been able to get um, in the, in the non-quarantine time. And also there are a lot of business opportunities. People are looking for new opportunities, whatever line of business that they're in right now, everyone, I don't, I don't care who you are, you realize that there is a real vulnerability. Um, and the, the, the quarantine, the, the COVID uh, situation is showing you this. And so people are looking for ways to diversify, ways to, to, to figure out new ways, new possible revenue streams that wouldn't necessarily be affected by COVID-19. So, you know, there's, there's just an openness to new ideas um, from companies out there. I know that I'm seeing this myself. I mean, uh, there are a lot of business opportunities that I've been pursuing that I think are moving a lot faster and look um, a lot more promising in the, in the coronavirus um, environment than they were with, outside of the coronavirus environment. So I just say to people, you know, um, like you said, the glass could be, you can look at the glasses half full or glasses half empty. I think it's important to take advantage of this time, take advantage of this time um, to um, spend time with your family and, and, and build those bonds and take advantage of the financial opportunities that are available right now. That's a great advice. And since you are spending more time with the ones you love, I need you before we go to answer this question. I love my kids, but because there's always something that's just going to just get on your nerves no matter how much you love them. So but, what is your I love my kids, but moment? I love my kids, but I just wish they weren't so damn loud. You know, they just yelling all the time. <laughs> For no reason. About, this is like, no reason. I'm, wife, I'm like, are we a loud family? She's like, yes, <laughs> we are. The neighbors know we love. We're a loud family on the block. <laughs> so what have you done to try to get them to quiet down? I can't do anything about it. I'm like, talk low, talk low. And then what happens is one starts raising their voice and then the other starts raising their voice and then the other, and then it's just, it's to yelling again. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious because my kids are the same way. I'm like, I'm literally two feet away from you. Why are you so loud? Just to ask a question. I don't get it. All right. And one last thing. I need a piece of advice you would give Fred before he became a father. Um, I'd say... Save up some money. <laughs> Especially when you have triplets. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more expensive than I imagined. But you got so, stuff you can save on, like the boys, since they're twins, I guess technically they're identical. Um, they can wear the same clothes, can't they? So it's like save some money there, maybe? Yeah, you can, but you also don't get the value of hand-me-downs, right? Because everything kind of comes once and then it's gone, right? So when one kid outgrows the sneakers, that's it. What we do do have is it's kind of like the boys have, they share clothes. So you'd get a pair of pants and then they could both wear it. But because they're boys, within two weeks, they're ripped to shreds, right? So there's only so much you can do. Oh, well, continue saving up money. Can continue giving yourself that great advice and continue doing an amazing job on Media Takeout. We love reading all the wonderful news you have there. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Fred. You take care of that beautiful family of yours. 
All right. Thanks. You too. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Before you go, we just want to say thanks again for watching this episode of Daddy Duty 365. But we also need your help to get the word out about this new podcast. So please subscribe, follow, share, and set up alerts to be notified of new episodes when they drop every single Wednesday. And remember that this podcast is brought to you in part by Comcast. Thanks, Comcast.